Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 251st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Gets Dockery. Trying to drive, backing up outside, shot clock at two, shot good! Oh a three by Hansbro! <laughs> oh my Tyler word! Tyler Hansbro makes it 75 to 64. Lawson on the drive, Lawson takes it in, puts it up off the glass, no good. Rebound followed by Hansbro, good! Carolina takes the lead, 68-66, eight tenths of a second remaining. Come here, player of the year. Lawson missed the shot. The ball was slapped to the right baseline. Hansbro recovered it and scored on about a 10 to 12 foot jumper down the baseline. Operating on the block and there it is. The record. Tyler Hansbro is the new scoring leader at North Carolina. Hansbro needs this one free throw for the record. Standing ovation. He is the all-time scorer in ACC history. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to talk about an off-season topic of sorts, if you will, but it's pretty relevant given some news last week. We're going to define the legacy of Tyler Hansborough. Um, give some of our favorite moments from his career. Of course, you you heard a different intro into today's show because this is a Tyler Hansborough type of podcast where we're going to define his legacy, look back at his career, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And even our pod thought of the day, the thing we do at the start of every edition of the podcast, our, our, our pod thought comes from Tyler Hansborough. And his thought is, quote, in basketball or in life, earn everything. Have a great work ethic and prepare to be great. When I was growing up, you worked harder and earned those achievements. Show respect, be on time, and don't expect anyone to give you anything. There's not a better quote that sums up Tyler Hansborough than than that one quote. Like, you're talking about a guy. Like, if... If we had half the work ethic he had as podcast host, we'd have the best podcast in the country. Well, you do realize he has that work ethic on his own podcast, right? Yeah, he he does have a podcast. Yeah, but he's doing pretty well as well. So he's achieving. Uh, okay, we'd be we'd, we'd be number two. If okay, if no, you I'm put just in saying. the same amount of work as I did, we'd be number two. Uh no, if we put in if I put in the same amount of work as you did, we would probably be in the mid fifties. Wow. Um That's I mean, uh, let's be honest here. That's harsh. Well, here's here's the here's a little secret. Who wanted to do this podcast earlier than today? Me. Me. 
<laughs> oh, we both did. Okay, well, that's poor planning on both of our parts. Um, no, but I, I got to tell you, I do, I do feel rather underdressed today. I feel like we should be dressed, uh, suit and tie, suited and booted. This is a special moment, man. You're talking about a guy that, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly polarizing. That's why we're going to talk about it here throughout the podcast. But you're, you're talking about a guy that transcended. Not only Carolina basketball, not only ACC basketball, but college basketball as a whole in the mid to late 2000s. Yeah. And he did it from the minute that he arrived to campus. That is what is so amazing for him. So, yeah, he was a guy that came in with that mindset of I have to earn everything. Still an extremely talented guy coming out of high school, but you wouldn't have known it from the way that he played. You know, we've seen guys in years past where it looks like they're 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 entitled. They stay, you know, one year and they move on to the next level. This guy, you never got that feeling. This this honestly felt like a dude that was a three star coming out of high school that everybody doubted, and he turned into one of the best players. But no, he he was just a guy that played with that mentality while having all that talent that he brought with him. Yeah, no, and it was it was a lot of fun to watch and uh as as we're about to talk about here, you know, that work ethic and that preparation is a is the the first of many reasons why um, he will be inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. That was announced of course last week. Um you know, we we decided to talk about the potential of of Caleb Love coming back to school, and right now we're on a one week uh, pod podcast quota per per Anthony. He said he's going to do one a week, so that was that's the, a damn lie. That's the one that that we decided. We decided, I just did two, two. I just did two footballs in one week. Shut up. That's that's because you you care about more about that one than this one. Well, that's fair. No, um, I'm just kidding. That's not fair. I care about them equally. These are like my children. Um, and the, he, in in round, he became the 14th Tar Heel to earn such honors. Here's the first thing I'm going to say about this, and I said this on the air here at WFNZ. I think I might be thinking the same thing. Go ahead. What took 14 years? Yeah, for I was going to say to happen. What took so damn long? Like I I I don't. Is there some sort of like waiting period? Dude, like this, this is, is an three honest times question. Longer than the NFL, the NBA. This is like baseball. We're like you got to wait till you're almost dead to go into the, into the Cooperstown. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so weird because with college basketball, I mean they they pull guys from all generations to to put in here. So it's I, I, I but don't. You're talking about the most dominant player. Well, no, of I the, agree of, with of you. Decade. I agree with you, but honestly, what what I'm saying is. College basketball, the College Basketball Hall of Fame is is literally just a crapshoot, it feels like. They just pick out the most ra- – like, honestly, do they pick names out of a damn hat of guys that they think are worthy? They put them in a hat and pick names out? Dude, you're cussing a lot today. Do we need to bring back the, the cuss punishment? Because this is getting out of hand. Well, you know what? Here's a tribute to the guy that's act- that we're talking about on this podcast because that was a man that certainly used quite a few <laughs> uh, derogatory words. A fiery player. Yeah. So I'm a fiery podcast host. It, it just... Yeah, I, no, I'm with you, man. Come I'm not on. even going to lie to you. <laughs> when I saw this news come out, I thought it was old. Because I was like, there's no way he's not already gone in. Like, how yeah. does this not – like, how? Like, we're, we're not talking about John Henson going in the Hall of Fame. John Henson had a pretty when good is, career. When is that happening? 
But, like, you're talking nice. about an all-time leading scorer at the most decorated program in the country. You're talking about who the all-time leading scorer in the most decorated conference in the country. He won a natty, went to two Final Fours, MOP, all this stuff. And it took 14 years to after his college basketball career came to an end for him to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, look— the trade-off is is he's going in with Coach K, and all the Coach K jokes were there to be made about how oh, it's so sweet, you know, like you know, Coach K had to go in with his daddy, who was Hansboro, who was four and zero in Cameron Indoor Stadium, like that part of it. Okay, we'll relish and we'll have some fun with that, but like also. <laughs> 14 years after this guy's career comes to an end is 14 years too long. And you you might probably are sitting there saying, guys, are, are you maybe exaggerating what he did as, as a college basketball player? Well, you're listen- I'm going to tell you right now, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Um, here is what he accomplished individually during his career. He had played in 142 games. His lifetime average was 20.2 points, 8.6 rebounds. He shot 54% from the field, 79% from three. During his career, he won a NCAA tournament championship, was named to the NCAA all-tournament team, a four-time consensus All-American. He was the Naismith Award winner in 2008, the 2007-2008 ACC Player of the Year, three-time All-ACC Tournament, 2005-2006 ACC Rookie of the Year, three-time NCAA All-Region, 2007-2008 AP Player of the Year. He won the Wooden Award, the Rupp Trophy, was a four-time All-ACC player, an All-ACC freshman, and an ACC Tournament MVP. The only thing he literally did not do in his career was when the most outstanding player of the Final Four, which even that didn't it. Dude, Wayne Ellington, those two nights in Detroit, shot the leather off the ball. He was fantastic. He was sensational. The award should have been, dude, Hansborough could have put up a nothing burger. And because of who he was and what he came back to do, they should have given him the award anyway. Like, his, his accomplishments were so long that I couldn't even list them all out because my hands got tired from typing. It was just easier to read them off a screen. So, you, you know, like when, when you took about everything that went into it, and I mean from day one, day freaking one, he shows up on a team that is losing – over 90% of its production from a scoring and rebounding and facilitation standpoint and established himself as the focal point of Carolina's offense as a freshman and took a team that went from almost losing to Gardner-Webb in the home opener, in the season opener, that is, to winning at Cameron Indoor Stadium on J.J. Reddick's senior night and being a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, this wasn't like he just, over time, developed into a great player. No, Tyler Hansborough showed up at Chapel Hill and was the best player in the ACC for the next four years. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, was that the dominance was right out of the gate, and... I mean, he he. I mean, first of all, in 06, he was the reason that that team was really anything. And then it was it was sort of a steady build to what he eventually, you know, capped off at the end. Uh, what I think it is, honestly, first of all, the College Basketball Hall of Fame opened in 06. 
That's when Roy got inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, And since then, they've pretty much been trying to play catch-up. So basically, he is the first of his generation of guys to go in. No excuses. makes a lot of sense. Um, But yeah, it does feel a little weird that it took that long. You know, because you're talking about a guy that dominated the best conference in college basketball, especially during that time. And I don't care what people say about, well, you know, the level of play at that time, the guys that were out there, it didn't matter. There weren't any conferences in the country that were better than the ACC at that time. The only one that was even remotely close at the time was the Big uh, was the Big East, and it still didn't have anything on the ACC. It still didn't get you prepared like the ACC did as Carolina showed, as then Duke showed in 2010. And, yeah, for him, I mean, you had him, you know, come in and immediately take over. But that that night in Cameron was, was where everything sort of changed. It was basically a passing of the throne to the guy that would then become the greatest player in ACC history. Because at that time, you could argue that that was J.J. Redick. And from that moment on, from that performance in Cameron Indoor, that was really where everything started to take shape in terms of him becoming the legend that he eventually became. I mean, I've said it. I, I don't I know there are some other guys that were incredibly dominant and some guys that if you if you, you know, look at their NBA careers, a lot of people will use that in terms of their argument. He's one of the best big men to ever play the game of college basketball. Like oh, he, yeah, there's I mean, really no you I'm, you could probably put him top three all-time in terms of centers. And you're talking about a sport that Will Chamberlain played in college, Bill Russell played in college, yep. Ralph Sampson played in college, Tim Duncan played. Well, first of all, he he's he's ahead of Ralph Sampson. Yeah. So, I mean, so, like, you know, even like at, 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 at the absolute worst, he's probably the third best big in the history of college basketball. You'd probably, you know, behind probably Chamberlain and Bill Russell. And like that's at the worst. Like you could you could argue, you could argue that he was a better big than either of those two guys, you know, just playing playing in a different era and stuff like that. The first thing I want to do though before we 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 get into the legacy conversation and stuff like that, one of the things that that I love to do as um, you know, I kind of pride myself on being a, a Carolina basketball historian and, and kind of one of the things I feel in, in charge of with this podcast is taking care of our history and, and talking about it and stuff like that is reflecting on some of Tyler Hansborough's, some of my, some of our favorite moments of his career. So I, I listed my, my one through five moments. I'm, I'm looking at our show sheet and yours are not listed. So do we want to go? I don't go, need it. I, I don't need that. Do we need to go? Do you want to go five through one backwards or we both just list one through five? Uh, now we're planning the I show. I mean, we could probably, yeah, we could probably go five through one backwards. Okay. All right. Well, I'll go first. And look, I, I know you were kind of worried in the pre-show they're probably going to be the same. I don't care. I don't you know. It's it's more of just a principle of the matter. The first one for me is kind of one of the first early memories for me of Tyler Hansborough. It's the 40-point performance uh, against Georgia Tech to establish an ACC scoring record. Because I remember, I, I want to say that game was either on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. 
back when, and I think you remember this, when they did ACC Sunday Night Hoops, which was on, like, I think it was 646 on DirecTV, and it was brought to you by Pizza Hut. Yeah. And you would get the Fox Sports South. Yeah, you would get the, you'd get, like, the Tim Brando, Mike Jeminski broadcast or whatever. And it was the first time I could remember watching him, at the time, still not devout at watching Night In, Night Out. Would watch basically if my dad said yes because I was I was ten at the time. So if they played late, you know I went staying up or whatever. Right. But like that was the first time I could remember him taking over a game, and then it really stood out to me. Um, and we've both read Roy Williams's book. Uh, Dalby, that was the game where Roy threw Gatorade uh, bottles in the locker room and had a tirade. And, it, you know, he thought he actually scared Hansborough to death, and that's why he played the way he did in the second half. But that one always has stood out to me. When you look about all the great ACC players that have come through the league since, Barnes tied it in the ACC tournament his freshman year against Clemson. Kyrie didn't score 40. Zion didn't get to 40. Um, I'm trying to think of some other great ACC players as as freshmen that, that didn't even come close to this threshold, and Hansborough did it, albeit against Georgia Tech. Now, Paul Hewitt was Georgia Tech's head coach, so at the time they were a respectable program in the ACC, but that was my earliest memory of watching Tyler Hansborough play during his four-year career at Carolina. You know, I thought about it. Oh, God. And I didn't put it on there. At all? I didn't have that one on there. Okay. I I go with a play. You you have one coming up here, a play. We, have, we, we do have one play that most people probably know. But I went with the dunk. I did not go with the dunk that most people probably think of, which is the dunk over Kenny George. I did not go with – I went with this dunk at home – over Iona. Mm. And I mean, just, and off a turnover, I mean, just absolutely posterizes a player from Iona in a game back in November of 2007. I mean, just absolutely spikes a dude into the ground. The Smith <laughs> Center went off. I mean, I think he drew, I think it was an end one as well. Um, I mean, it truly one of the most vicious dunks that you're going to see from him. There's a lot to pick from for him, um, but he didn't really have a lot of those poster moments. Kenny George is always the one that people go to. Man, Kenny George was so damn unathletic that I I just I I think this one is more impressive. He also has the monster jam that he threw down against Evansville the one time where he almost rips the goal down. Um, But I went with the one against Iona as my number five uh, memory for Tyler Hansborough. Yeah, number four for me gets the Kenny George dunk. Like, anytime you're dunking over a dude that's over seven foot, and the best part is, like, you know, he sizes him up or whatever. Like, he basically lets it know, and I'm about to drive right at you, and I'm about to dunk on you when you still do that. Um, it's pretty daggum impressive. Um, and, of course, you – well, no, actually, you, you didn't hear that one in, in the highlight montage at the beginning of the show. But Oh, but, that's because the ESPN you call <laughs> that is lame. It's not it's really not bad. Good. Maybe Clayton Magic was on the call for that broadcast. Oh, my God. God. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's 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 in every Hansborough remix. Like, dude, you could go watch Hansborough NBA highlights, and they'll still throw that within there because of how impressive it was. 
Like, you know, it was just one of those things where you got a 7-1 dude just standing out there, and he he just drove right at him. So, for me, that was that was a number four moment uh, for his UNC career. Part of this is, I think, <laughs> uh, also, is Kenny, Kenny George has unfortunately lost part of his foot. Um, at this later point in life, so I, 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 you know, which is a very serious situation, and um, we wish the best for Kenny George. But I feel maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I, that that one against Iona was just unbelievable. The way that he soared and just slammed it down. Um, number four for me is probably. See, it's hard because now you're getting. I think these four, and they're 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 the highlights that are in the intro for me. Um, I would probably go with the free throw against Radford to break the ACC record, and I mean, look, that one's tough. And you're saying, well, shouldn't that be ahead of the? UNC scoring record. I don't know. I guess it's just it, it came, you know, against against Radford at the free throw line. It's still an unbelievably special moment, and it's one that Tariel fans will remember forever. Uh, but I just, you know, when you when you stack it up against the other the the other three that are ahead of it on this list, I think probably the fact that it came at the free throw line is why it's number four. It didn't even make the list for me. What? Yeah, it was it was not because it was it was a foul shot. Oh my god. Um you're a man that prides yourself on uh, on foul shooting now. Yeah, no, and look, he was a fantastic he's the best free throw shooting big I've ever seen. Uh Tyler Zeller was pretty good too, man. Um, you know, but yeah. Yes. And the thing about it is like I still remember where I was when Hansborough broke the record. I was in the car on my way home from school. We were listening to the game on the way home and you know heard the call or whatever, but it did not make my top 5. For me, number 3 um the buzzer beater against against Virginia Tech. Um I'm a I'm a very animated sports fan facts um pretty emotional when i when i'm watching or listening to my team play this was a radio experience for me um i was at my mother's who at the time um did not have cable so there was you know 12 year old josh hunkered over in in his in his bedroom listening to woody durham and eric montross call the game on the radio and like this was this was year one of watching and listening day in day or game in game out, and so a lot of it was just being unbelievably ticked that Carolina was in that position. That was a very good Virginia Tech team, a classic Seth Greenberg team where he got everything out of out of that team that he could, and still didn't make the tournament, and and pushed Carolina to the brink. But when when Woody Durham described the way that he was running down the court. After he made the shot, I then ran through the house that we were living in at the time doing the exact same thing. Mm. And mind you, this wasn't a very big house. It was very tiny. Like the whole the whole house was shaking. Oh, I've been there. Because that's how that's how animated I was. Well, that's also how the house was built. You so. know, you, you, you just talk about like the emotion, like pretty big deal. ACC tournament game in Charlotte, you hit a game winner, but like that's just who Hansborough was all the time. But like, you 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 can't 
you can't not think about Hansborough and not mention this play because if you look at where he is when Lawson shoots the ball and then the the ball ends up in Hansborough's hands for the game-winning shot, it doesn't make sense. But when a guy has a knack for getting the ball and knows how to be at the right place at the right time, you know that 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 kind of stuff you can't you can't be lied about. And he just picks it up, turns around, shoots and scores, and they break Virginia Tech's heart. Like, I, and I remember during COVID, remember they were replaying like classic ACC games because we had nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. I remember recording it so I could go home and watch because I was working at the time because I was essential. And this, the the exact same feeling came through again. Where like I watched the game some twelve years later. And still got excited watching Tyler Hansborough hit one of the more memorable shots in ACC tournament history. You know, I thought about it, and I have it higher on the list. Uh, yeah, this will probably this will probably make you mad. I uh, I have setting the UNC scoring record. I have that at number three. Mm-hmm. Unbelievably special moment. One of the legends, of course, in attendance, Phil Ford. Which, I mean, look, that it pretty much, if, if it's a Carolina home game, pretty safe bet that Phil's going to be there. Um, I just, I mean, well, I mean, first of all, amazing. Because you, you talk about you are setting the scoring record at the most prestigious basketball program in the country. And, you know, again, it's, it's a guy that, you know, I think... You know, if you base it on his talent coming out of high school, it makes sense. But he's not the guy that most people would have looked at when he came to campus and said, that's going to be the guy that's going to be, you know, the the one that people moving forward will say is the greatest player to ever play for this university. And that's, I mean, that's that's the case. Like, there is no arguing that. And it's not just because of the scoring title. It's because of everything else uh, that he has, you know, in terms of accolades. But that was that was a special moment. And that, that sort of signified and put the stamp on the fact that he was the greatest player in Carolina history. I just, I don't think it quite stacks up with the other two shots that we both have on our list. Yeah, number two for me, it's the dagger three at Duke on J.J. Reddick's senior night. As you mentioned, it was the passing of the torch. It was it was Tyler Hansborough, but it was also Carolina saying, hey, even though we just won the national championship last year and won the ACC last year, this is our conference. Um, I, I've watched this rivalry um, – up close for the last 15-plus years. I have not seen a freshman play better, make it much more. And, look, I know what Austin Rivers did in 2011 in the Smith Center. I know it. It's still – and that was a buzzer beater. Not as impactful as what Tyler Hansborough did. He went into the most hostile arena in college basketball, the most hostile setting, which is Duke, Carolina, and Cameron Indoor Stadium. And arguably their second or third best player's final home game – you know, you late the best player in college basketball heading at, into that season at the time. You know, yeah. and he's number three because you got Leitner and Art Heyman were pretty pretty doggone good as well, and he ruined his senior night. And you you hear the call in the intro, and like 
it was one of the, it's one of those times where like you could the 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 fan and Woody Durham kind of comes out because he's um he can't believe that this six ten power four from Poplar Bluff Missouri just hit a three in Cameron and is and it was the the final nail in the coffin and, and you know you, you you get the thing from Montross as well that was him saying this is my conference and this is our rivalry Carolina would go six and two during his four years. On campus, of course, four and zero in 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 Durham, and you know, whenever whenever we get ready for Duke Carolina, you see that highlight. Back in the day when you know ESPN actually valued the greatest rivalry in college basketball, and they would show classics leading up to the first matchup, that was always usually the first or the second game they would play. It's either that one or the game in in ninety. 98 when you got the buzzer beater by Capel to force overtime, a game that Duke would actually go on to lose. That's that's that one, but that's also the strutting Jerry Stackhouse moment. So you've got you've got two of the highlights they always show. So in the rivalry. Uh, yes. You know, for me for me this this is number two and it's just it's just always funny because no matter what, like we we no matter what what people want to say, like that game, that that moment just signified a change in the rivalry that for the next four years it was going to run through Chapel Hill as Roy Williams established himself as the best coach in college basketball, the best program in college basketball once again, and 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 and, and head and shoulders the head of the class of the ACC. So I'll just go ahead and reveal it. That's that's my number one. I have that number one which means the shot against Virginia Tech was number two. And I'll talk about that one in a second. But just to kind of parlay off of what you said there, I said that it was a passing of the torch. No, it wasn't. That was a taking and beating the person with the torch mm. that gave it to you. That that was a beatdown. And that's what I think makes that so special. You walked in there on his senior night, embarrassed him, and started what was one of the most dominant runs in Tar Heel basketball history, one of the most dominant runs in the rivalries history for Carolina, especially going on the road there. That was what made that moment so special and why I have it number one. Because to this day, that still triggers Duke fans. That's where their absolute hatred of him began. And to me... I think that signified the start of his great career. There were other moments. You pointed out the game against Georgia Tech. That was the one, though, when he hits that shot. Very, far, I mean, his shooting touch was 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 very far from the thing you're going to remember about him as a player. But for him to hit that shot in that game, that really just basically told Coach K and Duke, "Hey, man." You're in for some hell the next four years. That that is a truly iconic moment. Now I also have the the Virginia Tech shot up there as well because we have a guy here, you know, with us at WFNZ. You guys know him, Kyle Bailey, who does the afternoon show. He's a Virginia Tech fan. He says he brings that up every time that we talk about Tyler Hansborough, how much he hates him because of that moment. And there's so many people around the ACC that hate Tyler Hansborough for that moment of him running down the court and celebrating and flinging his arms. And I love it. I love that they hate him because they think that he 
is a villain, that he was a showman. And I thought it was tremendous because he hit one of the biggest shots of the season to that point. He did it against a team in Virginia Tech that wasn't nearly as hateable as some of the, the as some of the other teams in the ACC, but it's well known that Seth Greenberg, not the biggest Carolina fan by nope. any stretch of the imagination, and I, I just, I mean, to me, it it encapsulates Tyler Hansborough perfectly. A a guy that was absolutely tremendous at basketball but is one of the whitest human beings you will ever see in your entire life running back down that floor. And the other thing about it is, too, is the face that he makes when he's running down the floor, simply outstanding. I always loved whenever you would get a Sports Illustrated with him in there or something, any photo that was a poster, he made the most awkward faces while playing the game I've ever seen any human make. Yeah, no, he... Tremendous. He, you know, he strained his face the way on the basketball court the way you did before the show while you were in the bathroom. That's a good point, yeah. I said, let me dig down deep and get my inner hands burrow. Um, <laughs> for, for me, my, my number one is him setting the UNC scoring record um, with Phil Ford in attendance. Um, you know, this was, you know, second, you know, the second year of me. Gosh, I don't Siri, know what a Siri really wants to get in on this one. She is excited. You know, this happened, you know, at, at a point in the time where I, I was watching literally every game, consuming every game, pregame, postgame, interview, whatever it was. And one of the things that when I fell how I fell in love with with this this program was I got immersed myself with reading and I was reading a lot of books, learning the history, the tradition, the excellence of, of Carolina basketball. And Phil Ford is someone that at at, at that point in my life it was a god because it was it was kind of unfathomable that he was that good for for that for for so long and so you know and I remember that moment you know knowing that it was going to happen in that game and knowing he was there that photo of them shaking hands you see that pretty you know whenever you're not going to read a book or go through a history lesson about Carolina basketball and not see that photo because you're 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 seeing you're 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 seeing the Godfather, you know, shake hands with with the guy that then become kind of a godlike figure on campus, and um, you know, we actually he had a chance. He appeared on our station a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to meet him. But I remember taking time out of what I was doing, which was <clears throat> working, yeah. to listening to that interview live, because Phil Ford still has that effect on my life. Did you get the bobblehead, by the way? And, uh, there's supposed to be some stuff on the way. What? What? How have we not gotten that there's yet? There's supposed to be some stuff. Okay. All right. All right. Um. And, and and so like for me, like you know, to do it in the Smith Center with Phil Ford in attendance, um, you know, they immediately paused the game, and and you know the the whole. The whole Smith Center, you know, I mean, we've been in the crowd, so we've we've been a part of the cheering. We've we've heard it from big games or whatever. That's as that's as loud. I've I you know that's probably a top five. I've heard that arena because it was we got to celebrate our guy, and you're talking about a kid that after three years, if he would have left, no one would have complained. You could have complained if he wanted to go pro. Looking back on it, it probably would have been the best thing for him to have a longer pro career with the way the NBA changed overnight. Uh, but this is uh, this is know. a guy that, at the end of the day, um, loved 
loved Carolina and wanted to win a national championship at Carolina. And so he came back to do it. And, you know, doing that on that, that run, you know, he sets the UNC record and the ACC record on the uh, 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 on the way that year to the national championship. I mean, I I got goosebumps talking about it. And this thing happened, you know, 15 years ago. But it, it's still... He has since been on the court to have a moment like that with Armando Baycott, who passed him in all-time rebounds. Yeah. That's how that's how long ago that so, was. You know, it's 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 just it's just Ugh. unbelievable. And I mean, like, yeah. So like, we have two. Our, our top five lists are very similar. I don't have the the free throw to set the record uh, for ACC scoring. You don't have the forty point performance against Georgia Tech, but because that's how impactful it was. Like for most, like it's 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 there aren't many guys that you could look at and say it's going to be pretty hard to make a top five list. It's hard to make a top five for hands because for four years he dominated the best conference in the country night in night well because out. there's so many different plays that you could pick from it like you're you're talking about a guy that as we said scored the most points in program history scored the most points in ACC history so he was just dominant from the word go to the point where like some of these other guys, you have moments that stand out because you went off in a certain game or you did this. I mean, yeah, he had the 40-point game. That was huge. But, I mean, he still – I mean, there were still just times where he had stretches where he was – was. I mean, if he didn't score 25 points in every game, you were wondering what was wrong with him. Like that's, that's the type of player that Tyler Hansborough was. And – I don't know if we will ever see that again at Carolina. You know, I mean, there's been guys that have come through that have had stretches where they've been dominant. We saw it, you know, a couple years ago with Armando Baycott. But to really, to, to, to be at one point in each of the four years, because I, I would say at the start of the year in 2006, he might not have been the best player in the country by the end you could make the case that he was the best player in the country and from then on he was the best player for three consecutive years in college basketball that's I mean that's just insane and I I think you know those those memories that we stacked up right there really those top three it is really hard to separate the two and yeah to, to have a moment where you break the record in front of a guy that you know, holds the record and to have that special moment to hit a shot the way that you did against Virginia Tech, which just encapsulated the type of player that he was and just how electric he was. And then, you know, to to hit, you know, to, to basically have the play that started it all off that came against your biggest rival and against one of their best players in program history. I mean, those – find me, find me three plays – in Carolina history that compare to that for one single player. Maybe Michael Jordan? Maybe? Yeah. That's probably it. So, I mean, it's just iconic's the only way to really describe them. And by laying all those out, that's what makes 
you, that, that what should make you say, yeah, why did it take this dude so long to get into the College Basketball Hall of Fame? Now, here comes the fun part of today's show. Oh, here comes the part that's going to get some people fired up. And and that's defining his legacy. And, and the first bullet point is where does he rank on the all-time player list at, at Carolina? And I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't mean to come across as a guy that's 26 years old. Because I know I know the, the the caliber of players this program's produced. I, I know the All Americans. I I know the for you know the All ACC guys. I I know all about them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the best player to ever lace it up at UNC. Like you you can accomplish what he accomplished, and say otherwise. And it's 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 a tricky subject. Um, I asked P1 to the to the show and, and our boss, Colin Hoggard, and he said, no, he's not. Ugh. He's not the greatest player. I asked my radio host here at WFNZ, Walker Mail, who used to love Carolina basketball, who's now sold his soul for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, what a square. You know, uh, he said, yeah. He goes, you, you know, Walker, diehard Tar Heel used to be, and so he knows the history, the tradition, and, and stuff like that. And look, I know that comes across disrespectful to to MJ or James Worthy or God, oh come on now, um, you know Phil Ford. Um, you That's know, the one. Bobby Lewis, Larry Miller, those types of guys. Um, it's just like for four years he dominated. Lindsay Lenny Rosenblut's in the conversation. Like all those guys are great players. And it's why I say so so convincingly we've got the best program because we can produce three all-time teams that could beat any other school's all-time teams. Like, we could do it one time, we could do it three times, twice, we can do it three times, whatever. No one's done what he's done, which was, I mean, four-time All-ACC, four-time All-American. That's hard to do. And, look, I know some guys only got to play three years and stuff like that, but you know, since since Phil Ford, a lot of guys had a chance to do it four times, and he's he's, he's still the only one, the only one to do it. And I think I've just kind of come around to the to the conclusion. I don't know if anyone will ever top him. Like I know that's a hard conversation to have because the day's players are getting better, faster, stronger, smarter, and all that. But the day and age of guys staying for four years are are over. I mean, Armando Baycott's coming back for a fifth year, and he's the best. All he's the most decorated rebounder at UNC. But I just don't know if I'd call him the best. You know, he, there's going to be some stuff there that that plays a role into that. Um, you know, we had Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson stay for four years. They they're not in the conversation. Luke May not in the conversation. So. You know, I I know for some Tar Heel fans they might get upset, and I know it might be hard for people who are 20, 30 years older than us to say, you didn't see the other one Joe play. No, but I read about him, and I went back and I've watched the documentaries, and, and, and I've done as much as I can, and I'll still sit here and say that Tyler Hansborough is the best to ever come through Chapel Hill. Yeah, the statistics are there. He stayed four years. He is a four-time All-American, as you were saying. Nobody else has that. On the resume, guys, look, they, they there were guys that were were good their freshman years. Nobody was as good as Tyler Hansborough was his freshman year. He was that good, and that 
and you're talking about a guy that still got better as his career went along. Yeah. That's the thing that that's the thing that's amazing is that he was he he was outstanding as a freshman and still got better. Um I Phil Ford's probably the one that you would you would have to have the hardest discussion with especially because you would say well Phil Ford played a position that was extremely talented even you know, even at the time when he was on campus. But I mean if if you look at the two of them, I th- and and you, I, I mean they're they're so closely compared. I, I think you have to go with the guy that's got more accolades. So that would be my argument. Michael Jordan, dude. Look, Michael Jordan had some tremendous moments as a college player. He was the third best player on a national championship winning team. Yeah, and I mean, but he's you know he stayed. And and was the national player of the year twice in eighty four or eighty three and eighty four. I mean, look, he he's he's an outstanding player as well. But when you look at Michael Jordan, I feel like you you are going to talk about him more because of what he did at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why he gets pushed to the top. Because to be honest with you, I wouldn't even have him third all time. At Carolina, I think Lenny Rosenbluth is very clearly the third best player in Carolina history. You could even make the argument he could be right up there with Phil Ford too. Yeah, like his he was just you talk about a dude that was unbelievably dominant during his time. That was Lenny Rosenbluth. But I just think when you stack it all up, and we've done this many times. This is the thing we we've done this years and years before this, and it hasn't changed. Tyler Hansborough is without a doubt the greatest player in Carolina basketball history. And I think if you asked most people within the program, they would tell you the same thing. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, we'll take it one step forward. Is he the best to ever play in the Atlantic Coast Conference? Uh, yes, he, he he's their all-time leading scorer. And again, you talk about a four-time All-American, you show me another guy that's got that on their resume. Yeah, like th- this. They don't one, have it. This one, like, and this is where you know, like, a lot of people are saying you know, take your Tar Heel hat off or whatever. Um, I mean, look, I, y- y'all guys hear from Michael Norwood, a guy that played at UNC. You hear from him pretty frequently. I mean, he said on the podcast he grew up idolizing David Thompson. I watched the ACC tournament documentary. It's the best thing that the ACC network has produced since it came into existence. It's better than 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 the than the games they broadcast. Um, they did a great job telling you about David Thompson and how great he was, and how state cheated to get him on campus and stuff like that. He's a great player. Ralph Sampson is a great player. Christian Leitner is a great player. Tim Duncan is a great player. But Tyler Hansborough is the greatest. And the fact that there are people that scoff at the notion and the idea that he doesn't even belong in the conversation is it's 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 honestly it's honestly the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard in my life. Like the people in the media that don't believe that he he, he he's not even in the conversation. They're not doing their job. You shouldn't be in the media anymore. Like, this guy for four years dominated the league that was – was the ACC at its highest in 2006, 2009? Absolutely not. It wasn't the conference that it was in the 70s and the 80s or even the 90s. But ever since they expanded, that was when the ACC was at its best, was in that – it was right there in that year. 
when you know Maryland was consistently pretty good, State was relevant. Your Big East schools like Miami and Virginia Tech were competitive year in, year out, and stuff like that. And Hansboro dominated all these guys. And and so I, I, again, I don't want to come across as disrespectful or something like that, because just as much as I know the UNC history, I know the ACC history pretty good as well. Um, I, you still have, you still got some work to do to show me a guy that for four years can do the, can, 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 can argue what he did. Now I'm, he's not the most gifted player. He's not the most talented player, but you go back to his thought of the day, which is in, in basketball or in life, you have to earn everything, have a great work ethic and prepare to be great. Nobody had that more than Tyler Hansborough because that's how he made a living. That's how he made a name for himself was with his work ethic and his desire and preparation to be a great basketball player. And when it was all said and done, that ended up with him being the best at the University of North Carolina and the best to ever play in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, look, David Thompson is probably the biggest the, – the, the guy that you would probably cl- – consider the biggest threat to him but I mean here's the thing Tyler Hansbrough didn't miss an NCAA tournament David Thompson did so I mean look I I, you're you're, David Thompson's one of the most dominant scorers in league history but I mean Tyler Hansborough did so many other things as well um, that David Thompson didn't Um, Tyler Hansborough went to -to back-to-back final fours David Thompson didn't do that so I mean, you, you, again, you're you're right. The people that do not want to consider him a part of the conversation, they clearly are. It's it's a lot of writers who say that he played in an easier era or whatever. Not really. No, this isn't this era that we currently live in, where fouls were called left and right. That's that's yeah. that's not at all what it is. I mean, you're talking about a guy that literally took a, an elbow to the face and came back with his nose bleeding. I, I mean, you now he didn't re-enter the game, but that was smart at the time. But I mean, to act like this dude didn't didn't go through it playing at the college level is asinine. Like this guy is just. I mean, and I, I've already said it. I if you put him on the court with these players in their prime, they would not know how to stop him. He was that dominant. And again, from the word go, he stayed there for four years. That has to be a part of it as well. Well, some other guys left early. Then guess what? That that hurts you when it comes to a guy that's continuing to stack up like Tyler Hansborough did. So, yeah, I I have him number one. I, I think that the, the, only, the, the ones that are in the argument with him, I think it's him. Uh, David Thompson, and I think it's Ralph Sampson. I think everybody else is behind them. Yeah, I mean, like, again, here's here's another thing that, like, it's just another example of of why, you know, I, I'm so confident when I talk about our conference being the best and stuff like that because this is, this is a conversation and stuff like that. But the conversation stops and ends with, with Psycho T. You know, look, if, if we were doing the most gifted players, he— no, I probably don't put him there. I'm probably gonna go, probably gonna go with um, 
you know, David Thompson being the most gifted guy to ever play in the conference and stuff like Lynn that. Lynn Bias. But we're not doing that. We're talking about the best. And, you know, for four years, he was the best the, the, the conference had to offer, arguably the country had to offer. And, you know, he, he has a special place in Carolina basketball lore, ACC basketball lore, and now with his induction into the College Basketball Hall of Fame, college basketball lore. So... Fun off-season topic today. You know, there's still some stuff we're wanting to do um, regarding, you know, this off-season and, and the outlook for next year, but we need the roster to become to be finalized for us to do that. Um, you know, in the meantime, guys, we do encourage you guys to stay plugged in to the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com where any news, notes, whatever that comes out from Carolina basketball, whether it's about the team or recruiting, coaching staff, whatever it is, we'll have you covered there, as well as anything on the football side of things. Um, you know, spring spring practice obviously done done and over, but with it already being the week of Memorial Day, magazine season is right around the corner, and that means we'll be getting you ready for a very important make-or-break football season for Mac Brown in 2023. Get your football news and notes. That's HeelToughBlog.com as well. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball offseason. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.